This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. What's going on, practitioners? What up? What up? How we what doing? Up? How you doing? I'm good, man. Uh, it's late. Uh, it is late. Two cups coffee in, and... Uh, we were recording this at 11 p.m. on a Friday. Yeah. This is how your leadership um, at Wellhouse spends their Fridays. <laughs> yeah. We we work a lot to make sure that we give you all the resources you need to uh, pursue healing and wholeness. Yep. Um, and today we are talking about, uh, once again, prayer. Mm-hmm. But specifically the labyrinth prayer. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I it's interesting because it's based off the idea of pilgrimage. Yeah. And we don't do pilgrimage very much. Not in evangelical circles. Or or even just in American circles. I yeah, think I guess pilgrimage that's fair. is a much more um, more European kind of or Eastern or Eastern kind of idea. Kind of idea. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's fair. But there is a very famous literature in America about pilgrimage. Oh, the Pilgrim's Progress. The Pilgrim's Progress. That's yeah. the deal. Christian takes a pilgrimage, and. Basically, what the storyline is, is he leaves the world behind and he goes on a pilgrimage in search of something. I won't spoil the book for you. It's actually a good book. If you haven't read it since high school, you should read it again. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> wow, you don't enjoy the allegory? I'm sorry. It's uh, just, it's so dry. But you're not a reader. Uh, I can be if it yeah. interests me, but like... Largely, you're not a reader, though. Largely, I'm not a reader. Yeah. Uh, I actually really enjoy the Pilgrim's Progress, but he goes on this pilgrimage, and he he leaves the world behind in, in a journey of pursuit uh, for something, and that's the Pilgrim's Progress, and that's that's very similar to what the Labyrinth Prayer is. This is based on a pilgrimage, and interestingly, I had never thought about this, but I took a class at Baylor, uh, go bears. Ooh, ooh. Um, sick. sick um, I took a class at Baylor with the Dean of Truett theological seminary, Dr. Todd still called Paul for pilgrims. And it was a really interesting class. You know, this is my second master's degree. And, my first, my undergrad and my first master's degree are all in the field of Christian studies. I've taken a lot of classes on Paul. I've never had someone frame a craft, a class on Paul through the idea of pilgrimage. That's how the entire class was set up, is that Paul was an individual person who went to unique cities, encountered unique individuals, and prayed unique prayers for those individuals and cities. And at each stop it shaped who he was. And that's why we see development 
of Paul throughout Paul's writings is because he's on pilgrimage. Um, hmm. Very interesting thought. But here's what I would say, and this is what I think is valuable about Labyrinth Prayer, is that level of pilgrimage is not available for everyone. Yeah. It, I mean, there are not very many people that can afford to spend the three or $4,000 it takes to go on a week-long pilgrimage through the Holy Land. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, anything, if we're over here, anything on this side of the world is going to cost a lot of time and money that's just not available to a lot of people. Well, and, and so in the Catholic and Orthodox traditions, um, it was very common you to take a pilgrimage i say very common it was common it was common yeah uh for for you to take a pilgrimage to a holy city yeah if you and especially if you were a seminary student or a monk or, or something yeah. like that if you were if you were going to be a if you were going into ministry, ministry yeah um you would take a pilgrimage and sometimes even like royalty would do it mm-hmm. yep um yep. if you had expendable income you could do it as well yeah um and so um that was a very common thing, mm. but the the quote holy cities are all on that side of the map. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're all they're all across the pond from us here uh, in America, and so it, that's just not open to us. Now, to all of our listeners, I mean, interestingly enough, like forty five percent of all of our listeners are on that side of the world. Yeah, so pilgrimage in its true sense is available to them. I sure. mean, but for us over here. Yeah, Just. we don't we don't understand this on our side of the world, but like you you lived in Belgium for a two year or a year, nine months. Yeah, and what people don't realize is if you're a Houstonian here in Houston, Texas, like we are, you you will you will understand this. But the entire country of Belgium can fit inside the six ten loop. Yeah, the entire country can fit inside the six ten loop. There are like 200 countries that can fit inside the state of Texas. Like we, like we just don't understand how much quicker you can get places on that side of the world because you can drive from where we are. You can drive nine hours anyway, uh, not East. Yeah. You can't go East nine hours, uh, but you can drive nine hours North, West and South. And still be in Texas. Still be in Texas, yeah. That doesn't exist very many places outside of... And the fact that not only you're still in the same state, but you can drive nine hours in any direction and never leave the country. Yeah. Um, that's just not true in the rest of the world. Pilgrimage is much more capable for people over there. But for those of us that don't live on that side of the pond... Labyrinth prayer is a good alternative, a pretty good substitute for pilgrimage. It's this idea that you, you map out a path through which you're going to journey in prayer. Yeah. Um, and I know it's, it's not quite the same, but I remember my second staff pastor job ever, um, was at a decent sized church, about 200 people. Uh, we had four full-time staff, so pretty pretty good-sized church. Considering that the average church in America is 75 people or less, um, 200 is a pretty big church. And 
I used to, every Sunday morning before church, I used to walk a maze and touch and pray over every pew in the sanctuary, Mm. in the auditorium. That is a form of labyrinth prayer, that you have a set path and a journey with a mission to accomplish on a modified pilgrimage. Um, and each as each step of the way, there is a modified prayer. Yeah, and each, and as I continued to do it, people joined me on the journey. Um, people began to come and pray with me. Um, to where by the end of it, there were like 15 of us that met every morning at 8 a.m. in the in the auditorium to pray. Um, and we would all take this journey together. And now our paths looked different hmm. because we didn't want to bump into each other. But we all took the journey because we all touched every pew and prayed for every seat. That's labyrinth prayer, taking a path and a journey and it being dedicated to prayer. That is labyrinth prayer. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, And, you know, maybe we need to take um, a position on that for our wells. Hmm. Yeah. And pray over each individual well. Each gathering. Each gathering. Um, and pray over the houses and yeah, um, pray for restoration. And yeah, for sure. There's definitely mm. something to be said there, and there's something very unique about labyrinth prayer that can't that can't be missed. It must be done in the same manner that a pilgrimage would be done, that you're leaving behind something. Well, your your known world. Yeah. You're leaving that behind for the pursuit of something, which Adele says is finding rest in God. I don't think it has to be that. Um I do think it can be in pursuit of something else. But I do think that you must be pursuing something. Sure. Um, you must be in pursuit of something for the journey. If not, it's not labyrinth. It's not pilgrimage. It's something else. Sure. Um, I also remember there was a time, um, this must have been in, must have been in 2015. Yeah, 2015. We, we'd first, we'd just gotten our dog. His name's Onyx. He's awesome. Um, and I was taking him on walks every day, multiple times a day. And I found a place, like I found a path through our neighborhood, our little neighborhood, that was the perfect walk for him each time where he didn't get too tired by the end of it. And because I walked it multiple times a day, I made it kind of a prayer walk. Mm. But I would leave my phone behind. It'd just be me and my dog. I'm leaving, quote unquote, leaving what I have. I'm leaving it behind and going on this walk with my dog in a journey to pray for all my neighbors. Um, 
I wasn't pursuing rest. I was pursuing restoration. Sure. Um, and I still feel like that's a viable form of labyrinth prayer. That yeah. it was a, a journey of prayer for a purpose where I've left the world behind. You know, it's so funny. Um, I did a very similar thing when I first got to Belgium. Hmm. Um, the, for those of you that don't know, Cullen knows this, but um, essentially um, I had agreed to go on this European mission trip um, before we knew that we were going to Belgium. Mm-hmm. And then we found out that we were going to Belgium and I was, had already planned to go to Germany. Mm-hmm. And so I left Germany and met up with our parents in Belgium. Yeah. Um, and just while I was in Germany, we did a lot of prayer walking and, um, and, and all those sorts of things. And I felt like God was trying to tell me like, okay, take this and use this information in Antwerp. Yeah. Um, and so for a while, while I was there, um, I would do the same thing whenever we would, I would go and walk our dog. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a set path Mm -hmm. and I would pray Yeah, uh, on that set path. I did it for a long time and I can't tell you how many times, uh, like there was a good, like three or four different times that I would be praying as I'm walking that path and people would stop and just talk to me. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, no, I, I love that. Um, I actually used a very similar model. Well, and there's another way that you can do it. And this, this for me is, well, number one, it's really vulnerable. So just know that going forward. But there's a, there's a way to do this where it does pursue rest. And, you know, if you know me, you know that I love stories and I love, the idea that our actions tell a story, whether we mean for them to or not. And I met my wife in fourth grade, and we started dating. Uh, She'd already graduated, and I was starting my senior year, and she was starting at Houston Baptist University, where we both ended up going and graduating from. Well, we got married while we were living, while we were, um, we got married while we were both attending Houston Baptist. And it was really interesting because the week leading up to our wedding, whenever I got free time, we got married at Houston Baptist. Mm-hmm. We got married in the chapel there. And the week. Super cool, by the way. It is cool. They've got like a $3 million pipe organ, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Their wedding was insane. But the week leading up to our, our, oh, sorry, backstory here too. I also proposed to my wife at a fountain on HBU's campus outside the chapel that we would eventually get married in. So the week leading up to our wedding, I mapped out a path around the fountain and the chapel that I would walk and pray every day that I was on campus. Mm. Just prayer for our future marriage, our life together, all these types of things. Just something that I felt impressed to do. And then, as you all know, any marriage has trials. And so 
as I, as we would encounter trials, that labyrinth prayer had almost become a monument. Mm. So even if I couldn't make it back to Houston Baptist, I would walk that in, your mind. in my mind. Mm. And then even now, if I do find time or if I do go back to HBU for whatever reason, anytime I'm there, I always make sure to walk that path mm. and pray for my marriage. Um, and it just so happens I've been there. I've been there like three times in the last like six weeks or something. So like it, it's fresh on my mind that, that I do that, but that's another way that labyrinth prayer can work. You don't actually have to physically take the journey. If, if you have something that you've done, that's meaningful to you or impactful to you, you can take that journey in your mind. Mm. You and so I, I say all that to say, like, you know, I don't, I don't know all of our listeners. I don't know their ages or, or situations, but like, it, like maybe you're in a wheelchair, mm. and you you like you can't go walk somewhere. That's okay. Like this is still a prayer practice that you can take this journey in your mind. Like, and that that's fully acceptable. I do this regularly. That that. I, I take this walk across HBU's campus, this this route that I had mapped out. I, I take this in my mind sometimes daily. I mean, at least for a season. I don't I don't do it every day, but there are times where that's helpful to have something and, and also because as you're doing that, the Lord will recall things to you that you've prayed previously. Mm-hmm. So like I used to, I used to have a, a certain thing that I always prayed when I walked the circle around the fountain where I proposed to my wife. I'd totally forgotten about it. Like I'd just totally forgotten about it until I recalled it, until I started doing it again and the Lord recalled it to my mind. Um, there are lots of ways that this can work as we walk and and our mind makes associations with the things we see combined with the things we're praying that can be used for recall in moments where we need to find rest. Because that's the thing. I always I always save this specific prayer for my marriage and this journey around HBU's campus dedicated to when my marriage is having a problem and I need to find rest. Like I need to know that God is God. I need to know that he's a God of restoration. I need to know that he's a promise keeper. And I need to know that I need to find rest in whatever problem my marriage has come up with. Maybe it's financial, maybe it's relational, you know, whatever it is. This is something that I have reserved for finding rest for the purpose of marital strife, which if you're married, you know is going to happen no matter what. Yeah. I mean, you can't be that close and dedicated to two people and not come up with conflicts. Like, it's just going to happen. And so that is a way that you can use this, this journey, this labyrinth, this pilgrimage in a way to find rest and in a way to somewhat set up monuments. Um 
you know, in the old school ways of pilgrimage, it wasn't something that happened or it, sorry, it was something that happened like one time. Yeah. Something you did one time. But, but if you do this in a way where it's something you return to, like your walk through Belgium, my walk in my neighborhood, you know, walk through HBU's camp, campus, excuse me. There are moments in there that become monumental because you, you begin to see God at work in different ways, or you'll be at one place in the journey and you'll feel God speak to you or say something to you and it'll just hit you. And you're like, wow, okay, so the next time I take the journey, I remember that moment. I remember and I can hold firm to the promise that God made me or the way God showed up. I can I can look back and know that God is active in the world. It's like Abraham's altars. Abraham's altars, the... The pillars that the Jew, the Hebrews made, the Israelites made after uh, the Exodus. I mean, it's all those things. I mean, truth is, that's a really good point. The Hebrew people are on pilgrimage yeah, when for, they're leaving Egypt. Yeah, for 40 years. Well, they're wandering there yeah. because they screwed up their pilgrimage. But, <laughs> but they are on pilgrimage and... But they're also on that side of the world. Yeah. And we can do pilgrimage here, but we're the new world. Yeah. I mean, we're only 300 years old. Yeah, pilgrimage looks a little bit different for us. Pilgrimage looks a little bit different. We don't have all of the history of this. And largely, if you look close at American history, it's all about power and oppression. Um, and, and so pilgrimage looks different here, but labyrinth is really beautiful. Hmm. If you embrace this and you begin to walk around your neighborhood or you walk around your office building or you drive the same path to work every single day, Hmm. you can take these journeys, turn the radio off, leave your phone, put it on airplane mode leave the world behind and turn these into spiritual moments and god will show up and if you're going way back to our first series on this podcast if you're a sensate Mm, yeah um maybe do take your phone leave it on airplane mode but listen to some worship music or something um if that helps you in your experience um yeah and i would say have like a set playlist um, that are all the same songs. Make it feel more like that labyrinth. Like it's a dedicated path, yeah. Um, but, yeah, if that helps you in your expression, um, do that too. Yeah. So the thing that I would say about labyrinth to end this would be that the pilgrimage is a journey. And it's going to take some effort to make the journey. It's going to take some work. But the journey's worth the reward. The pilgrimage will lead to progress. Progress will lead to moments of perfection in Jesus.